This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work, a movement that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. Find out more at www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to I Work Friend this afternoon, the fastest hour, and it's a Friday afternoon, and we're so excited, Martha and I are so excited. As those of you who are out there fighting the traffic, we just sit back, relax. we got quite a show for you today. But before we get to our guest for today, Martha, why don't you just tell people about our Be the Gift campaign? Well, you know, it is my favorite time of year. It's Christmas. It is. We decorated well over a month ago. Yeah, it's wonderful. But, and, you it's know, the Christmas traffic time today kind of confirmed in that the here tropics. in Florida because um, everybody's coming south. So the traffic is crazy. But um, so in um, this season of um, giving, that so many people think about focus on presence under the tree and things like that. Um, we are in this mode called Be the Gift. And Be the Gift is really an opportunity to remind our listeners and friends that um, we can be a gift in our workplace by how we serve with excellence, how we love our on our employees and coworkers, how we um, do our job as unto the Lord, and then also be the gift to um, partner with I Work For Him and help us as we get ready to um, just keep growing this ministry because there are so many people that need to hear that their work matters, that they have a calling on their life, and that calling is in their workplace. Just imagine being in a city in another part of the country where you can't hear I work for him. Being in another part of the city where you, or the other part of the country where you don't even know about I work for him. How about being in a part of a country where you've never even heard that your work mattered to God? Yeah. That's what we want to solve. We want to eliminate that, and we want to connect people, help people connect our faith to their work, connect them to faith and work ministries, and connect ministries to each other so that as a team, as the body of Christ, we can reform our country and bring it back to where it started way back when. That's right. So the Be, Be the Gift campaign is all about um, a big boost for the year end of the year. A lot of people are looking at where to give their year-end dollars and um, so that is what we are kind of working towards is a lump sum of 150000 and then also looking for some monthly supporters, Jim, that will come by us, come alongside us for the next three years and really just help us get to where God wants us to be. Please check it out online, iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number four, Him.com. Click on the Donate tab or the Donate button, or just click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag. Join that while you're out there as well. You know, the buzzword in, buzzword in corporate and organization circles today is culture. The premise is that if we have a positive culture, then we'll, then you'll have success. And if you have a negative culture, then you'll be on the proverbial struggle bus. But how do you take this idea of a corporate organizational culture and turn it into a kingdom focused culture that nurtures the competitive advantage of shared identity empathy, and understanding? Well, we've got Mike and Katie Stollard on the line today. They've written a book all about this called The Connection culture. I can't wait for you to hear from their hearts. Mike and Katie Stollard, welcome to I Work For Him. Hi, Jim and Martha. Well, Happy with you. Well, we're, we're, we're grateful to have you guys here. And, and just so our listeners understand, uh, these guys have gotten stuck in a massive traffic jam in New York City today. So they're calling from their mobile studio in uh, New York City. And so <laughs> we are a national program, and we are on a mobile studio on the freeways in New York City today. So roll down your windows, Mike and Katie, so people can hear the show, okay? 
Oh, okay. Share I'll it with everyone. Hopefully you won't hear too much of the uh, highways. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So we always ask this of every first-time guest on the show. And so, Katie, we'll start with you. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Okay. How many minutes do I have? Oh, well, so, let's just uh, yeah. give it the minute version of it. No, okay. Very fast. Um, so I grew up going to church and being really involved in church, um, and it it was not a certain denomination. It was whatever Protestant church in town had the best choir that my mom could sing in. If you had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said, well, of, of course I am. But it, for me, it was really when I got to college, and it was the influence of friends who were Christ followers, who helped me see that there was more to it than just going to church on Sunday and, it, and attending events, but that it was a personal relationship that Scripture was there for you to read, and to that it was a, a letter and a, and a guide, and um, that prayer was an everyday thing, not just at night to say the Lord's Prayer before we're going to sleep. So for me, it was college when it became personal, and it's just kind of taken off since then. Mm, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And Mike, how about you? How did you become a Christ follower? Well, I, I responded to an altar call when I was a little boy at the church we attended in Rockford, Illinois, and um, and then I've just felt throughout my life that God's brought uh, followers of Jesus into my life along the journey that have um, helped me grow, and it's just been exciting to see how, how God's opened doors in, in the work we're doing. So tell our listeners how you made the connection then when, when this faith started growing in you and you've um, grown in that, how did you connect that to your work? Or did you have a, an epiphany that helped you to understand that your work and your faith should actually be connected? Well, it was a couple of things, Martha. Number one, um, I had worked on Wall Street and I was working long hours. Um, I also just started struggling. I didn't realize that I was lonely. I had crowded out time for my fam, time for my family, my friends, my faith. And I also saw that cultures were clashing and mergers, and I eventually left Wall Street and just became interested in, is there a best culture? And it really took me back to biblical principles. Um, so it's been exciting to see how God has just revealed this um, in, in open doors and relationships we've had. And we just came back from teaching a workshop to new leaders at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Um, mm. Just exciting to see how it really is the principles in the Bible that lead to, and no surprise, that help us thrive because it's the way we're created. Right. All right, so we always love it when we hear when we get a husband and wife on the air, and we're talking about today. We're we're talking today with Mike and Katie Stollard. They've written this book called Connection Culture: The Competitive Advantage of Shared Identity, Empathy, and Understanding at Work. You can check it out online: connectionculture.com, connectionculture.com. And I want to talk about the book, but we always love a little love story, especially on a Friday afternoon. How did the two of you meet? Katie, we want the woman's perspective first, because that's probably the more accurate depiction of the story. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be the longer version with all the details. And, you know, Mike can give you the executive summary, but, um, and, and I will keep mine short today. But um, we actually met at church. We did not know each other. Uh, we were, well, isn't that, I suppose, when you're meeting somebody. Uh, we were standing outside the doors to the sanctuary. It was an August Sunday morning. We were across the lobby from each other, waiting independently for uh, friends. 
Mike had been to the service, he was going to say hi to somebody and leave, and I was coming to the service, and I was going to sit with a friend, and neither of the friends appeared. And by this time, everybody had gone into the service, the doors closed, and there we were, the two of us. And so Mike walked up and introduced himself, and and I could tell that he, he must be fairly new to the church, and our our senior pastor had been really encouraging, you know, be be great with visitors and make them feel welcome. And so I kind of turned on my, oh, you must be new, you know, welcoming uh, <laughs> stance. And uh, we just got into a great conversation, and I remember at the end of it, Mike said, so if I call, and I, I was working at Tyndale House Publishers at that time, uh, Publishers of the Living Bible and many Christian books, so if I call Tyndale House and ask for Katie, I'll get you, right? And I was like, uh-oh, to myself, what have I done? <laughs> uh, because no, I, I work at Zondervan. I, I work at Zondervan. I, oh, no. I, I meant to say, not Tyndale. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. All right. All right. We'll have to talk about that offline. Um, and at the time, I was uh, you know, dating a, a great guy who was uh, out of state and not looking to meet anybody new in in Illinois, but Mike and I developed this friendship, and the other relationship ended, and, and Mike and I stepped into this great friendship and knew pretty soon that, um, you know, the Lord had had put us together. So how about that for that, a fairly short version? That's pretty good. August, <laughs> okay, Mike, Mike August of what year, Katie? August of oh, what year? Okay, I know this answer. 1985. Wow, because Martha and I met in August of 1984, so August ah, is a great month. All right, nice. It all right. is. All right, Mike, what kind of color do you want to add to that story and how you guys met really quick? Well, I think, you know, Katie and I really connected. We both had came from families where our parents divorced, and we were the firstborns of um, firstborn children in both families. And we got into a conversation, Jim and Martha, about just a sense of protectiveness and uh, we, because we both came from families that went through divorces, and Katie and I were firstborns, we discovered that we had very similar experience, very similar emotions in terms of a sense of protectiveness toward our younger siblings. And I hadn't really spoken with anyone about that before, but there really was a connection there that um, it was it was just refreshing to find someone who had been through an experience like that and, and knew what it felt like. Mm. Right. Not that it's encouraging to be, you know, hook, connecting up with somebody else who's also been through a really painful divorce, but it is nice to have somebody that's got shared experiences so that you can learn how to together prevent the next divorce and the next generation. Amen. All right. So you guys have written this book, Connection Culture, and, it, you know, the underlying terms on it are the competitive advantage. I'm sure my lips are, I rented a pair right on my way into the studio and they're just not working. <laughs> the competitive advantage of shared identity, shared empathy, and shared understanding at work. Why did you guys write this book? Mike, you start. Because Katie well, we, said all the tough questions I had to give to you. Yeah, we're giving this one to Mike. <laughs> so we, we just found, and I, I saw it in, in my career, that I'd worked in workplaces that really energized me and workplaces that were draining the life out of me. And I became interested in, is there a best culture? And the, the typical viewpoint is, well, there really isn't. It depends on uh, what you're trying to do. But I, I found in our in our research, we found that that's not true. There is a best culture, a culture where people feel a sense of connection to their supervisor, the people they work with, and the people they serve. And that's in contrast to a culture that isolates people, where they they feel alone, they don't feel connected to their supervisor, the people they work with, the senior management of the organization. And those 
disconnections are, are just very unhealthy. They um, make us more vulnerable to stress and have an effect on our life and joy. And it's very biblical because it, in a sense, is a reflection of the Trinity that's so connected. Hmm, that's interesting. So you were sharing at the beginning of the show um, that you were, when you were working in Wall Street, you started to feel lonely. And how then, taking that um, concept, how has connection really affected you personally? Well, it's been life changing. It's um, I didn't I didn't feel well. I, if you asked me, I would would not have said I was lonely, mm-hmm. but I I didn't feel well. And what I didn't understand is I was lonely. I had uh. crowded out time for relationships in my life, and this is a big issue in society today because you see in the research that half of the people are lonely. This is based on research earlier this year by Cigna, the insurance company. So there's a loneliness epidemic in America, and I think it's, it's also a great opportunity for Christians to really reach out to those who are hurting and love them and get to know them and really reflect Christ in their lives. So, Katie, you know, I, I know that you say, okay, Mike's going to answer all the hard questions, but it, it's anybody that's fairly smart understands that men and women connect differently. And a guy can't really write a book on connection, certainly connection culture, without getting the input of a really smart woman. Because women think differently. They connect differently. I mean, two women, you sit them down in a room, they're, they're complete strangers. And two men sit them down in the room, they're complete strangers. The conversation between the men's giving about football and the weather or some kind of sports or some ridiculous car or something like that. And women are going to like, they're going to be talking about their firstborn birth or something like that within within minutes. Why did you get involved in this project? Why didn't you, you, you said, well, Mike's the one that handles all the hard, hard questions. Why did you join the project? What was it about Connection Culture that you wanted to make sure you were part of this? Ooh, excellent question. I think it may be, uh, connecting may be a more natural tendency for women as, and of, of course these are generalizations, stereotypical answers, but we we are maybe more used to being caregivers and nurturers and uh, helping and serving other people. And I know for Mike, especially in his early days of in being in investment banking, it was about getting the work done, getting the tasks done. I'm going to stay on task. I don't need to really know my colleagues. I don't need... I mean, he's always been a very friendly, helpful guy, but, you know, he doesn't need to know their personal stories. I'm not here to make a best friend. I'm here to get the job done. I think men can um, compartmentalize more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more natural for them to do that. You're being very sweet. That is all we do. We have no idea. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we are really good at compartmentalizing. That's right. Trying to be generous. I think with women, you know, we find that thing we have in common, and then there's like, oh, Martha and I love to decorate for Christmas. Oh, I understand that. Wait, tell me more about that. And when did you put your tree up? And now we're like mm-hmm. in it, right. in the conversation. And um, it's that kind of relational connection that we would then build on as we're doing some other project together. We have learned how to kind of share ideas and um, just be in conversation together. It's uh, So I don't know if I've done a very good job of answering that question. This was something that... Mike really immersed himself in thinking through cultures and seeing that it was all about connection and uh, decided that he wanted to bring this out to, you know, take it into the world. And uh, so began writing, and I, I came in on a 
on the project as as a sounding board and as an editor and and now have the fun of going out and speaking and doing workshops with them but he's you know been the primary person really in the connection world for quite a number of years now yeah okay but you say that well i'm just to stop you there for a second okay but isn't it true katie stollard that yes. uh, that you are a mom of two daughters elizabeth Indeed. and sarah right is that right you have two daughters we do okay and Poor Mike was in a in a house with three women all doing this intricately connected thing all the you know all those years. I mean, you have lived the connection culture because women, like I said, are way better at doing the connecting thing. You're also, as I under, you, you, I mean, so you've been a mom to those ladies. How did your wisdom of really witnessing that connection culture? And I don't know if you worked outside of the home or got to raise the girls on your own. I, I don't I don't know what that was like, but how did that your experience at home aid in writing this book? Hmm. Well, I think that Mike would tell this story of being the, the single male, or the, the only male in the house, and how we would gather as a family for dinner. And my question is, tell me stories. You know, tell me about your day. And we found that um, just those open-ended questions really brought the girls out. And and uh, Mike would. Mike could give a, a quick answer and be satisfied that that was it. But I think he was surprised at how much detail and color and how the, the stories would uh, turn. Boy, I think I'm, where am I going with this question, this, uh, this, this answer? But, um, well, I think, I, think, I think that you're what you're saying is, you know, you realize that in your home there was something unique about women. And so I think yeah. much like with Jim and my ministry together is that, as much as we don't even know that we're adding a different dimension, we definitely do. Because in the workplace, there are men and women, and every culture has men and women involved in there. So you do have a unique vantage point, and it's neat that you're there with him. So we're talking today about the book Connection Culture, written by Mike and Katie Stollard. And it's just really, after the break, we'll get into the meat of it, um, but I just, it's amazing when you think about connection and how lonely so many people are that you've given an, uh, you have a resource here that people are going to be able to use hey mike you got a minute why don't you describe connection with a workplace connection in the workplace what does that look like well we like to sum it up as vision value and voice jim and martha it's um or uh, another way to think of it is just a leader who communicates an, an inspiring vision about serving others values people and gives them a voice connects with them and that provides um, just a profound it has a profound effect on our bodies it boosts neurotransmitters and hormones and enzymes that just uh, help us be healthier it allocates blood glucose and oxygen to our bodily systems at levels that maintain good health and help us top of our game in our work and uh, you know it's, like I said it's all very biblical you look at Jesus is an example. I I think of Jesus um, and the Samaritan woman at the well and just um, how he connected with her and how surprised she was. When an organization experiences a connection culture, what happens? Well, it has has five benefits. First of all, it benefits the individual. Um, I like there's a neuroscientist at UCLA, Matthew Lieberman, is a superpower that makes us smarter, happier, and more productive, but also has benefits to organizations. It, uh, people 
in organizations have that superpower. They also just give their best effort, which we call employee engagement. They align their behavior, which we call um, strategic alignment. They communicate more so decision makers have the best information to make optimal decisions, and they engage in creative conversations that fuel innovation. So these are five distinct benefits that add up to a powerful performance advantage. Okay, that was really a lot. Of course, that was like a five-point <laughs> sermon in 35 seconds. That was, that was phenomenal. That's, that's where you got to get a copy of the book, ConnectionCulture.com, ConnectionCulture.com. You know, we want to bring you on the air today to talk about the book, but to really talk about connection because, Mike, isn't it really true that when if people can feel connected at work, they feel valued at work, as you said, it gives them a voice that it changes it really just changes everything about an organization and it makes people not want to leave. It makes people want to work harder and it makes, I mean, you're talking because relationships develop. I mean, this is a real moneymaker, isn't it? Creating a connection culture. It is. And we've found that it um, just, it energizes an organization. UPC people who are more cooperative, they're more collaborative. It really has a a huge impact. And, And Jim, it applies to, families, too. And it's very biblical. You can look at examples in the Bible. You think of uh, the Roman Empire was not a connection culture, right? If you didn't obey, you were crucified in the most extreme examples. And the Pharisees, the religious authorities, um, created a culture of control, which is disconnecting. But Jesus, who led with love, was was so connecting. And with humility, and um, that Jesus is just a great example of of an individual um, who who cared for people and connected with them, and it, and it the great thing with the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives us the ability to make this supernatural connection with people. That's life changing. Mm-hmm. I love that, and we're going to get back to the conversation that that control is disconnecting, but connect, but but uh, love is connect. Did you say control is disconnecting? What was connecting? I, I totally but didn't write that part. Love was love is love. led by love. Then it's connecting. Okay. You've got you've arranged, Mike, for a friend of yours to call into the show today to share a little bit about the connection culture that he's established in his company. Would you introduce our guest? Yes. Yeah, so Riley Kiltz. I met Riley when he was a uh, he was the president of the Ignite Ministry on Texas Christian University's campus in Fort Worth, Texas, and just was so impressed with him with his um, composure, his heart his um, judgment, and um, then we were out of contact for a number of years. I mentored Riley a bit and helped him develop a culture among his leadership team, and then he left and worked in private equity and has come back and created a really great organization called Craftwork Coffee. He's the founder and uh, head of Craftwork Coffee, and he can tell you more about it, but it's just a, it's a it's an organization that really lives out that calling to connect with others in a culture today where many people are struggling with loneliness. Mm, so, Riley Kiltz, we want to welcome you to I Work For Him. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Mike, uh, and thank you for the introduction. You're too kind. All right, so so Martha and I, Martha and I, Riley are well. He, well, I, I heard that you gave him fifty bucks in order to say all those really nice things about you. So, oh. or maybe a bag of coffee. Oh, maybe coffee. Oh yeah, I don't know. okay. Yeah, there's a bag of coffee in it for you. Okay, so Riley, as you craft work coffee in Fort Worth, Texas, is that the only place that's in Fort Worth, Texas, or have you branched off into Dallas too? 
So we have three locations in Fort Worth, and we're opening a, third, a fourth in Austin in April of next year. Austin, well, we go in and out of Austin all the time. We're gonna have to look. We're gonna have to connect up per firsthand on that one. All right, so Riley. What did you do to assess the health of the culture in your business in order to make sure that you had developed a connection culture? Yeah, I, th- I think that it was something. So we started Craftwork with the ethos of drawing people out of isolation and in the community. And uh, flash forward two years after the launch, um, we realized that maybe our company wasn't exactly doing what we wanted it to. And so we started to try to assess that and uh might have been very helpful in this, um, but part of it was really creating space for us to listen to our people um, and being willing, uh, having the humility to admit our failures um, and uh, the tenacity to, to fight for something better. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been quite. A, it seems very simple just to to listen. Um, Mike's developing a lot of cool tools that allow it to be a little bit more streamlined. Um, but providing your your team the opportunity to have a voice in the organization um, is just has been very important for us to keep a pulse on um, you know the connection within our organization. So Riley, maybe just to help us with the context of what you're working on, um, <laughs> tell us about Craftwork Coffee. Yeah. Is it a coffee shop? Are you making yeah. coffee? What are you doing? Yeah, it's kind of multifaceted. So we are a coffee shop that's open to the public, and we also have a private co-working space where people are able uh, to rent office space on a month-to-month basis okay. uh, for, like, the freelancer and entrepreneur. So it was really started um, to uh, – basically, I was experiencing isolation uh, within uh, the private equity world and traveling a ton and wanted to create a workspace that yes. uh, made me feel more connected uh, and um, to the people around me. Uh, to where, you know, once as the gig economy has more emerged, the freelance economy, people are more geographically uprooted than ever, and that's causing a lot of social challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, uh, very high, um, uh, just like suicide rates and obesity rates in this younger generation that, uh, that has very little uh, connectivity to the people around them. They have these, these structures like coffee shops that make them feel connected, but right. they're actually just alone together. Um, and so we've been trying to create a culture for both sides of our business, both the workspace and the coffee shop, um, to foster a sense of connection uh, and true community. And you're doing that with the people that are um, your are coming in and taking partaking in those things, but also with your employees. So you kind of have uh, to balance the culture on both sides. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think that the most important what I've learned is the most important is uh, you could focus with a cu- the customer to start, but really you need to understand how your team is doing because mm-hmm. it's impossible for them to give something that they don't have. Yeah. Um, and so we've zoned in really hard this year. And this was part of kind of realizing two years after we launched that uh, we weren't where we wanted to be. And it was a lot due to not caring for our team in the way they should be cared for and making sure that they were connected and not experiencing isolation so that they can <laughs> draw people out um, of isolation themselves. And so sure. uh, we've really zoned into creating rhythms for um, for them to, to be um, kind of in community with each other. Hey, we're talking about connection culture today here on I Work For Him. We've, a book is, that's been written by Mike and Katie Stollard, and we're going to talk with them in a minute, but we're finished up with Riley Kills. He, he's the founder of Craftwork, Craftwork Coffee in Fort Worth, Texas. Got, got a new opening coming up in April 2019 in Austin, Texas, where there's a college university there. They might drink some coffee there. <laughs> this, this connection culture, 
you know, Riley, you said you, you want to give your people a space to listen. You had to be, be willing to admit failure and you had to fight together for something better. When you look at your company, when you did that assessment two years in and to where you are today, what's been the, the market difference when you started developing intentionally this connection culture? I, th- I think that I see just uh, the people within our company and, and as a result, the people who come into our shop as customers um, just have a better opportunity to flourish. And so we created certain rhythms for them to be in a relationship with each other. Um, for example, just shutting down our shop once a month to, um, to give our staff the opportunity to be with each other uh, to work on some team dynamics um, and also allowing our managers to take our baristas out to lunch on a weekly basis so that they're in relationship with one another. And then I've seen the, you don't, you end up not having to train as um, handholding your staff through um, everything when they're just experiencing connection and community. They are in a place where they can give it to the city yeah. of Fort Worth. And so we've been seeing really cool stuff happen. We've had uh, multiple customers come to the Lord through some of the work of the believers within our space. We're not an explicitly, we're not a Christian company. I don't think that actually exists. I think that people are Christians and companies create uh, structures for uh, the spirit to do work. And so I think that there's individuals within our space um, who are believers who have just really pursued our customers or our staff members very intentionally. And as a result, there's been some incredible fruit, especially in the last year from that. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Another tweetable really tweet right there from Riley Kills. Powerful thing. Companies create structures uh, to, to be able to facilitate the gospel. I loved that. That's not exactly what you said, but that's all. I could, you said it so fast, I couldn't yeah. write it all down. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so bottom line it for me. Has this impacted your profitability by developing a connection culture? Have you seen an impact on profitability? So... There has been an impact. So we have three shops, and each one's been a little bit different. There was one that was kind of burning, uh, I would say, going on fumes and was highly profitable, but was just had no more gas left in the tank because of how kind of torn down our, our people were, how burnt out our people were. Um, and so that that shop has taken a step back, mm-hmm. but is I, I believe is positioned in very well for 20 uh, 19 to deliver on profitability. And then the, the other shops were a little bit more green. And so they had the opportunity to step right into it. And we have sure. seen increased profitability there. And has it increased your retention of people? Our retention of people is honestly uh, just insane for FNB. We, we have only lost one person quitting over three years at our company. Um, everyone else has, has related to something wrong with employment. Right. Um, we, everyone else, it's either been like a move or, you know, right. going, going to school full time. That's and so unbelievable. We have inc- incredible retention rates. Um, and right. I, I really, I really do, uh, give credit to just, um, the team choosing to step into it. And I mean, you give them the structure, but they, at good. the end of the day, like it's they're great. following through. Riley Kills, thank you so much for calling into iWork for him today. Thanks for sharing a little bit of the Craftwork Coffee story. Check them out online, craftworkcoffeeco.com. Thank you, Riley. Thanks, Jim. Mike and Katie Stollard, I really appreciate you letting Riley share that story. That was really yes. generous to you guys. It, what, what a great example of... A, a, a business owner, a business leader, an organizational leader is just saying, hey, things aren't what we want them to be. we got to stop and just figure it out and, and look at it. Now, Mike, you've been working alongside Riley. What's been the most fun part of working alongside Craftwork Coffee? Well, it's been exciting, Jim, to see how Riley has taken um, what we've talked about for years back when he was a student leader at TCU. And um, really, you know, number one, it's it, 
part of his decision to leave the culture he was in because it wasn't the type of culture that he knew that was healthy. And then secondly, to go beyond that and create an, a new organization as an entrepreneur that's now growing that really embodies these concepts of uh, humbly loving and serving others. And um, it's just really exciting for me to see some young people that we started mentoring at TCU are now bringing this into their occupations. All right. So let's I, I love the way you summarize all of that. And what I love the fact is that this connection culture book, it will work no matter what the organization is, because it's all about connection. It's what Jesus demonstrated as he walked the, the, the pathways of the Middle East. He was a connector. Everything was about connection. He was all about shared identity, shared empathy, and shared understanding in his work as he walked through the marketplaces all over Israel. Talk to me about loneliness. I want to end. This is one of those things. And Katie, I want you to jump in there. You've gotten a break. I gave you a break. I want it noted that I gave you a break. (laughs) But I want you to jump in here, Katie, because this is something that both men and women really experience. But loneliness has really become an epidemic in our country. Why is that? Well, Katie's signaling me to. to (laughs) Nice. I have a few few ideas. Yeah. So, well, you know, it's it's a number of factors. It's, um, you know, after World War II, families spread out more. It was not unusual right after World War II that you'd have three generations living together. Now we have the highest percentage of single-person homes in U.S. history. And it's not just in the U.S. It's actually worldwide as well. In places like we are, uh, half the people in Manhattan um, live alone. And it's about 28% of the household nationwide. So that's, that's one of the factors. And, of course, a big factor is we're also just spending more time engaging with technologies and um, less time engaging face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So those are things, and I think as Christians, we have to realize that Satan wants to isolate us because when we're alone, we're vulnerable to temptation. The, the Satan uh, isolates us, the Lord unites us. And that's what really gives us, when we're connected to the Lord and to each other, we're, we just, the power of the Holy Spirit helps protect us from temptation. And also, when you look at Jesus' prayer in John 17, verses 20 through 23, he prays for us as believers to be connected to him and to each other. And when people see that supernatural love, they know that God exists and that Jesus and that God loves them as he loves Jesus, as Jesus says in that prayer. So it's all it's all very powerful. It really comes down to the supernatural connection that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how does that translate into um, the workplace as far as I mean, you're you've stated that uh, I cannot believe half of Manhattan lives alone. That just blows my mind. But if that's the case, then how how does that translate into the this culture that do people bring the loneliness with them? I was just going to say that, Martha, that we have this this connection deficit. Now, there is, there's this sense of, well, we have all this social media and, and ways that we are connected and uh, through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these things that our millennials and Gen Z are doing and Yes, that is a connection, but it tends to be a superficial connection mm-hmm. and not always our authentic selves. And the more time that we spend in front of a screen, the less time we are face-to-face relating and really doing life together. So when you think about our colleagues coming to work with a, a connection 
deficit. They may be surrounded by people and even in a great family, but still lonely if they are not, you know, doing life with other other people in connection. So we have an opportunity in the workplace to um, to bring bring love and bring a support system and nurture and care for people. And of course, we have to do that, you know, carefully and appropriately in the workplace. But in the ways that we can communicate, you know, I see you, I'm interested in you, mm-hmm. I, I care about you, I want to hear your stories, that helps to draw people out and to, you know, get them, get them talking. And Mike likes to say to people, um, never worry alone. <laughs> those are great. Those are great words. All right. So we're talking about Mike and Katie Stollard. They've written this book, Connection Culture. Check it out online, connectionculture.com, connectionculture.com. You can get a copy of this book today by calling the listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. All right. I want to bring about solutions here, Mike and Katie. How can the church, the greater body of Christ that's out there roaming the planet, how can we bring an end to loneliness? What's Give me some steps that our listeners we can all do together. Mike, give me steps one and two. Katie, you get steps three and four. Go. Oh, <laughs> well, I, um, you know, number one, by being in the Word, we, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be connectors, and and that produces the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you think of that: love, joy, peace, patience. All those things that are enlisted in the ninefold fruit of the Spirit work together to help us become better connectors in our environment. Then also, we can just learn from one another, having mentors in our lives who help us see our blind spots and help us become better connectors, in other words, grow in Christ-like character. That also has a huge impact, and I've, I've been especially grateful to be in an amazing uh, men's Bible study on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. till noon in Greenwich, Connecticut, with a lot of my brothers in our church, and we just, it's a group that really loves each other, and it helps to uh, you know, pray for each other and share our prayer requests and be in the Word, and I know those guys have my back. And I, I can't, it's really, I've, I've had that other times in life, but this group is really powerful. And to have that, I think everybody ought to have something like that, where they can process their life experiences each week um, and have people that they're praying for and that yeah. are praying for them. So, Katie, what are some perspectives from you of ways that we can help eliminate loneliness in our workplace? Right. I know I was thinking very fast, what are my steps going to be that I'm going to offer? And I think part of it is just being, you know, having our heads up and our eyes out and and looking for the person who may not be sitting with somebody in the lunchroom or maybe just reverting to his or her cell phone and not engaging in conversation with the group. If we can be that person who... Mm-hmm comes alongside, and, and maybe there's some open-ended questions that you want to have kind of tucked up your sleeve for when you're in a moment where it can be like, I want to engage this person in conversation, try to draw him or her out. You know, what are your interests outside of work? Um, are you reading a great great book? Uh, you know, what fires you up? What, you know, if, if we can find something to begin to get that person talking, yeah. um, begin to build that bridge of connection. Um, so that would be one thing, just to be, you know, we are, we are Christ's ambassador. Uh, 
mm-hmm. everywhere that we go. So to be really looking, and it's so easy to think about the things that we have to get done, our to-do list, um, but relationships and people are, are what we should be about. That's right. And, and Mike, there's so many great stories in your book about companies that have been turned around because a connection called you got a great story in there about Southwest Airlines, about uh, Ford Motor Company, about Xerox, about Boeing, about uh, Tata, the company Tata. I mean, and these companies were turned around because of the development of a connection culture or they were already they were developed in a connection culture. Lots of great stories in the book, Connection Culture. Check it out online, ConnectionCulture.com. Mike and Katie Stollard, thank you so much for being on I Work For Him this afternoon. Thank you, Jim and Martha. We enjoyed chatting. Yeah, thank you both so much for the work you're doing. Uh, we really, it's great to have you on. Maybe one day we're in Connecticut, we'll stop by Greenwich on our way north. We uh, would love that. But thank you guys so much. Check Mike and Katie out online, connectionculture.com, connectionculture.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.